We have to go. This is week one of an eight-week series that we've called Soul Fuel. We're going to walk through one book of the Bible, 1 Thessalonians. In walking, there's only five chapters in there. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to do that. And we're going to really, really, really understand why this was written to this church and then why it's written to us and the power of it, the significance of it, because it's quite unique. And this church was quite unique. And I see some ingredients here that I see here. And I see what can be and what could be. And I look at my own life and think, where are we at? Our soul, our soul needs fuel. Your body needs fuel. Your car needs fuel. Your soul needs fuel. The reality is, by instinct, you feed your soul. The question is, what do we feed it with? You are feeding your soul. You're going there and you are feeding the essential core cravings of your soul. You are feeding them. The reality is, for many of us at times, we sadly take the easy option, the fast food option, and we all know what that's like. Tastes good in the moment, not good for the arteries. You know, there is something about the reality of this, but we, our soul needs fuel. And these next eight weeks is all about fueling our soul, but having the why we do and the benefit of why we do and how it can impact every sphere of our lives, how it can impact the very nature of this particular expression of the bride of Christ. And so super great. What I'm gonna do to start off today is this. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna lay a strong foundation this week and we're gonna give you a little window into the key things that we're gonna cover over the next seven more Sundays. And so although today may feel like you've not arrived anywhere, that's the intent. You're reading a book, you're in chapter one and maybe chapter two today. Stick with it. You've just picked a brand new Netflix series to binge watch. You're in episode one or two today. Stick with it. My hope today is that I say enough for you to go, oh, need to check into episode next week. Need to read more about that. You can. You can read it. Spend time reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 through 5. That's it. Spend time. You should get so many questions. That's how you read your Bible. You'll get so many questions. And we're going to do our best to engage with them over these next few weeks. So, the book of 1 Thessalonians, written to a church in Greece in Thessalonica. People say Thessalonica. I say Thessalonica. Whatever. Okay? So written to this place in Thessalonica, let me give you a bit of historical context because it matters what was written to them, why it was written that way and the impact that it had. And so this Greek location, it was a hub of culture and a hub of business, commerce. There was Jewish believers in that city. There was a synagogue there. That's what we know. So there's enough Jewish believers, but there was obviously a ton of Gentile believers, non-Jewish believers, Greek in their belief, a lot of pantheism going on, a lot of this whole thing around different small g gods and those following after 
the OG God and all those things in between and culture was all mixed up and messed up. And so Paul goes there, as we know, the Apostle Paul with his buddies to reveal the gospel, to reveal the truth of Jesus. And he plants a church there and a local church starts to form and dwell. We're going to go to the backstory of how that happened because it wasn't easy. It was anything but easy. It was the opposite of easy. And here's this church that was birthed in pain and persecution and hardship and death threats and difficulty and all kinds of things. And yet this church is amazing. This is not a woe is me book. It's in spite of all of that, you guys are amazing. So let me give the backstory of how it came about, which is in Acts 17. And that, this sets a tone, and then you see why this letter that Paul writes to them and the themes that he writes to them are so important and why these themes are important to me and you. Acts 17, verse 1 through 7. When they had passed through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. All right, they're journeying through Europe, they get there. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Pause, three Sabbath days, three Saturdays, but three is critical in this whole book of First Thessalonians. You will see these three things coming together multiple times, multiple ways, and it's important. We'll carry on. Explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. Paul said this, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ is the Messiah, is the one, is the one who has come, is king. This is him. He's explained it to them. He's in the synagogue. There's people around hearing this. Carry on, verse four. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. Jews, God-fearing Greeks, prominent women. Three, it's happening everywhere. For Paul to mention and the scriptures to mention prominent women is countercultural. Countercultural. Amazing. My God's the rule breaker of culture and the divine kingdom bringer bringing things the way they originally were meant to be. Moving on. Verse five. But the Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. Here's another three. Rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. Their souls were fueled. But fueled bad. Their souls were in such a condition. Yeah, let's go. Ah. Moving on. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas. Because Paul and Silas are like, we're getting out of here. And they thought, well, we know this guy, Jason. He's probably with them. They rush to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But 
When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Caesar, according to these people, is not king. They are defying Caesar. They say there's another king, one called Jesus. Isn't it amazing that even the enemies of God are declaring who he is? Even though they don't like it, they're saying there's another king, Jesus. There is a king, his name is Jesus. The government is not king, Jesus is king over your government. Our culture is not king, Jesus is king over that. The circumstances and situations in a world in crisis and uncertainty is not king. King is Jesus. He is a king. He is over all and through all and in all. And he is going to restore all things. And there'll be a day when all things come under his feet. He was a little glimpse then. And that was enough for this church to be planted. But for you, who is your king? Who is your king? What is the drive of your life? What is the focus of your life? What is the source of your life? Don't just go, oh, I know the right answer. What is it in your soul? How full is your soul? How healthy is your soul? Is your soul full with the things that matter? And that's what we're gonna cover today because I'm gonna go through every verse of chapter one of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter one. There's 10 verses. I'm gonna get through it. I am. I went long at the nine. I've told myself to do better in the 11. That's the best I can offer. I'm going to do better. No promises of being on time, but I'm going to do better. Every chapter in Thessalonians has a reference to, an alluding to, a highlighting of one really important thing that makes this book unique. Every single chapter, there's something about Jesus' return. The return of Jesus, we've called it the second coming, the restoration of all things, the coming of his kingdom, the day of the Lord. It is throughout the whole scriptures. There's so much in it. I talked about a little bit about it last week. Every chapter, this particular church where absolutely gripped by it. They have questions of it. They're so focused. They're so full of hope. They're so excited about it that Paul leans in more than any other scriptures in the New Testament and even talks about it. They've got questions that he leans into. When we get to like chapter four, our heads are going to absolutely combust. So full, so rich. What we're not going to do is attach isms to it all and say this is where we all are because humans want to be in control and we want to box everything off. There's so much mystery and movement of the Lord in it. We're going to do our best to try and embrace that mystery without controlling it. And so what's happened with a lot of thinking around the Lord's return, we've decided to box it in and go, that's it. I got it. And I genuinely believe the Lord's just going, your finite mind, you think you've got it. But we miss the point. 
It's a soul fuel issue. It's so, it so changes how we live. This restoration of all things, this, the palingenesia, Genesis again, the return to Eden, the Lord's creation as he originally saw it. Oh, and it was good, day one, two, three, four, five. And then he creates the pinnacle of his creation in humanity, created in the image of God, male and female, he created them. It's all there. It wasn't bad. It wasn't ruined. And he isn't going to destroy it all. He's going to renew it all. He's going to bring it back to his original intention. He's going to make all things new. And for the followers of Jesus, we live, we die. And there will be a day when the Lord comes again in the day of the Lord. This great restoration of all things. This renewal of all things. And things will be all things new. Not all new things. All things made new, the way he originally intended them to be. And we will make our dwelling, our eternal dwelling in something that we all should start to grasp and think to ourselves, oh Lord, you've called me here and now for this and it is a fuel for what I believe and I know is gonna be our eternal destiny. I'm gonna give little windows each week and then some weeks dwell on it, but we've missed it. We think we live, we follow Jesus, we die and it's all good. And that's it. It's just heaven. Interesting, but the Bible doesn't say that. Because there is a Jesus return. Do you think that's rumbling in heaven? And do you think the people who have fallen asleep are awake in a day of the restoration of all things? Carry on, days. You're only going to be over time moving on. First Thessalonians, I have to lay these foundations. There's three prayers, three prayers in this one book. At the beginning, there's a prayer of thanks. Paul's thanking this church. You guys are awesome. It's like he's thanking them for their faithfulness in spite of a culture where this church was birthed in persecution and hardship and suffering and to follow Jesus at the expense of you were once a Jew, you are then ostracized by that culture, those businesses, that family. To become a follower of Jesus as a Greek person, that then you again, you ostracize your family. Your hopes have changed. Your business mindsets are gonna change. Your opportunities change. To become a follower, of Jesus in that time was incredible and it was difficult and it was hard and people suffered for it and yet they were awesome. So Paul writes a prayer of thanks and in the middle he writes a prayer of endurance. You're great guys, come on. A prayer for endurance and at the end he brings a prayer of hope. Three prayers. He thanks them overflowing with love. He prays for endurance that they may have faith and a prayer of hope at the end. Faith, hope, and love is the fuel of your life. Now, these three remain, 1 Corinthians 13. Faith, these three remain. The others that cease are not needed in eternity. Now, these three remain remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, but these three remain faith, hope, and love. Your soul fuel is fuel of faith, hope, and love. 
And it's not a one and done deal. It's not, oh, thank you for your faith, your hope, your love, I'm good now. No, it's, it's a fuel. And when you use that fuel, it needs to be refilled. The whole purpose of this fueling of faith, hope, and love is head, heart, hands. I, I hear it, I see it, it goes into my being, I live with it, and I, I'm leaking, I'm giving it out over time. There's a constant need to refuel, and yet we go for fuel to the wrong places at times. So, faith, hope, love, just in chapter one, there's these three things that come together five, possibly six times in 10 verses. He's nailing down this absolute core issue, which then lays the foundation for the future. Let's go chapter one of 1 Thessalonians. It was a long introduction, but it wasn't an introduction. It was a platform, okay? Faith, hope, love in the midst of not an easy culture at all to follow Jesus. And this church is amazing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, every verse will be on the screen. If you've got a Bible, you can open it as well. I encourage you to have some form of note-taking today because I can't remember it without notes. I don't know what chance you've got. Okay, you ready? Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Oh, there just happens to be three guys. Paul, Silas, Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. Don't brush over this. We're always thanking God. We're mentioning you in our prayers. He's just given a one-liner, but you know it's rich. He's picking out people by name. He's mentioning them. He understands where they're at. He's engaged in prayer for them and he senses he is with them. Tomorrow night at seven o'clock in this room is the most important gathering of the month. Every month, our We Pray gathering is the most important gathering of the month. The most important gathering of the month. Just in case you didn't hear me, the most important gathering of the month is tomorrow night, first Monday of the month, we pray in here at seven let me add something to you on this. Those who've been before, if you've not been, this will help as well. Those who've been before, when you come, come a bit earlier, hang out, greet people in the lobby, outside. That's where your conversations take place. The doors will be closed and we'll have some of our team opening them when you come in. Because when you come in, the place will be calm and still. There'll be some instrumental stuff on. There'll be things on screen just to you, for you to get ready. For you just to come and give everything of your day, your week, your month, your year. Give everything and everyone to Jesus and calm your soul and sit in a house of prayer. And that's how I want the posture and the room to be. And then we will be able to enter in. So just so you know, be ready for that. If you come in here and you start having conversations with you, my baseball bat will swing hard. Take your head off. No, it won't, but I'm just saying it's not about one another out there. Come in here and just allow that. Just don't rush. Don't just go, oh, da, 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 da. oh Jesus. Like, no, just be still. So that's how we're going to have the posture. Also, the first Monday of the month, we've committed as a church to be part of a movement that sees over the state of Arizona every single day of the year covered in a canopy of prayer every single minute of every day of the year as a canopy of prayer over our state. Grace Community Church's commitment is the first Monday of the month. QR codes on the screen, weprayallday.com. You go on there, you register, 
you pick a time slot, that's going to be my time slot. They send you what we're praying about, all involved, partnering with other people. If the time slot available for you is not there, still go ahead and register. You can, you can still pray at that time, but you can go ahead and book your slot for November and December and January now. They've updated the website so you can claim your time. I'm getting it. But either way, we pray all day.com. As Paul says, it's other people in other places. Can you imagine the state of Arizona if we get to a spot where there's a canopy of prayer every single minute of every single day of the year? The church is praying. All right. We remember you in that. Oh, by the way, there's one week in this series where I'll be speaking really short. It's three weeks' time. October 22nd. October 22nd, because it's baptism. And we've already got quite a lot of people registered for baptism. So far, we've baptized 138 people this calendar year here at Grace. And if you've not been baptized, you're a follower of Jesus, you've not been baptized, again, go ahead, register for that, get baptized, come join us October 22nd. Oh, what a morning that's going to be. Okay, there you go. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. Verse three, we continually remember before our God and Father, your, wait for it, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. Faith, hope, and love. We are so amazed. We are continually remembering your work produced by faith. Faith produces that. This is your, you've got your sense of meaning and your why. Work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love. What you do inspired by love. God has loved you. Love God, love others. So prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for this church connected, there's a hope. He is gonna make all things new. Right now, this is hard. We are seeing these persecutions. Oh, but there will be a day. And our Lord came and he suffered and we see all of that and his endurance and his love for us and his suffering for us. Oh, for now, it is so difficult, but there'll be a day. The current sufferings that we have will fade into insignificance compared to the coming glory. That theme is so strong. Faith, hope, and love. Let's carry on, verse four through seven. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. The gospel comes not just with words. Words are important. We hear the information, but it also came with power, with the Holy Spirit. It was transforming who we were and our identity. Wow, there's a strength and an empowering of the Lord and a presence of the Lord that happens in us. And absolutely this amazing ability to have a deep conviction. Your soul, your soul. How deep's your conviction in your soul right now with faith? How deep a conviction do you have 
of a hope in the Lord? And how deep a conviction do you have that at the very depth of your very being, all else can be going on, but you know. The scriptures say we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. He's leaning into this. Carrying on. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You know how we lived. They'd lived it out, this following Jesus is what it looks like. You became, verse six, you became, you became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Achaia's Greece. Oh, here we go again. Just this connection is so deep. But you became imitators because they saw how it lived. Let me ask you some direct questions. Who in your world is a follower of Jesus who you are imitating? Oh yeah, I'm just following Jesus. This biblical principle all over the place of who we walk with. Who are we walking with? Who am I saying, this person follows the Lord and I want to, I'm becoming more like Jesus as I become more like them. Not a clone, but there is something about their soul is driven with faith, hope, and love. And you see it. Who is it in your life? You're in a season right now, maybe you've got young children. Who are you engaging with in life who's been through that season not too far ago and go, how did you even breathe in that season, let alone consider Jesus? What did that look like? Where were you able as a young mum to, where were you able in your marriage to, where were you able to, what does it look like to follow Jesus in every sphere of your life, in every season of your life? I'm gonna tell you, you're in the body of Christ and you need other followers of Jesus that you need to go, I wanna imitate them as they imitate Christ. And likewise, some of you need to go, who am I walking with that they can imitate me? Who am I living with in such a way that they may be out of hope, but I can come alongside them full of hope and help? They may be running dry on faith and their fuel tank is empty, but I'm able to come alongside and go, okay, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like with real truth in this situation. Their circumstances and situations or their mindset is wrong and they're habitually making mistakes. How can I come alongside them with grace and truth with the love in it and feed them? Who are you walking with? Who is around you and who are you pouring into? It's not, it's both and. There is season where you need to receive. But the fuel that you have, you receive is to be used. This is really important. Some of you are stuck in situations and you're just like, I'm just praying. That's not a bad place to start, guys. It's good. But have you ever gone for me? And I'm, the Lord says, ask for wisdom and he'll provide it. So I'm, Lord, give me wisdom. And guess what he does? Go speak to that person. They've got wisdom for you. Go engage in this. There's some wisdom to be found. It's not like I just sit there and all of a sudden my brain becomes brilliant. And now I have the wisdom. Plug into a wisdom pipeline and I'm all great. It's through his people and through his church. And there's work to be done. 
in anything of fuel. We've got to decide to go, I need to stop taking that fuel in and replace it with this fuel. And some of you find yourself in these habit cycles and you go, whoa, 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 you've got to shift your environment and shift your input sources. It's not going to change just by itself. And so that whole point we see in this scripture, these people saw how Paul and Silas and Timothy were living it and they became imitators of that. They started to reproduce it. Oh, wow, we see it. So in our suffering and in our difficulty, we see how we can handle it. We see what we can do in it. We see the help that that provides. And then it says, and then they welcome this message with joy through the Holy Spirit. Life may have looked awful and as people are being arrested and everything, but there was this joy in the Holy Spirit. How much joy are you getting spending time with the Lord? Do you find yourselves filling up with some joy? Well, my voice wobbled then. I was so excited. Joy. And then it says, and you became, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, like, wow. Let me just park on this. This is a big part of this message today. So if you're not taking notes, pray for a photographic memory. This is really big. Faith, hope, love. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I'm here, faith, learn the words of Jesus. Hope, live the ways of Jesus. Love, love like Jesus. You've heard me use the words. What is it like? Learn, live, love. Let me lean in a bit more. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Faith, that's truth. There's truth. Hope, that's the way. Love, that's life. It's always, everything's coming. So what the fuel level, I'm giving you more words to know that the richness of this fuel, you may not even know, oh, the faith, the hope, the love, it's good. Listen, these are the words, learn, live, love, way, truth, life. Faith is driven by what has been done, past. God has created the heavens and the earth. God did create all things good. The fall did come. He sent his one and only son who has paid the price and penalty for our sin. He did come. He did live. He did die. He is risen. He is returning again. All these facts are there. This is past and nailed. It's what has been done for you. Faith is driven by what has been done. And because of what has been done, I have confidence he can be trusted with how I live my life. Faith is past. Hope is future of what is to come. There's a past and what is to come. And for this church, the what is to come was not what is to come for lunch today, but what is to come in the restoration of all things in the new day and a new heaven and a new earth and our eternal dwelling when God makes all things back to Eden again and we dwell with Him and the fullness of His kingdom on His divine, amazing, created earth in all perfection with no sin, no tears, no sadness, no pain, unbelievable joy and rejoicing. Shut up, Des, it's next week and week after. So, so good. Past faith, future hope, love present. In the now, we get to love God, be loved by Him and love others. That's our purpose. 
A new commandment I give you, John 13, 34, that you should love one another as I have loved you. So you should love one another. By this, all people will know who you belong to. If you love one another, present, there's a posture that we live this in. Now, here's the thing that is really significant that you can talk about to anybody from any walk of life, friends, family, work colleagues, school friends, whatever. This is a reality of every human on the planet, always has been, always will be. It's why movies don't even realize that they base every great movie off these core themes. Every single one, every great story, because the story of God is being revealed in all of creation. They just can't see it. So, faith. We have an eternal desire, I'll use the word craving, for things, don't we? Not always good. We have these cravings, but we need to know how am I going to fuel that craving? So with faith, the craving that people have in life is a craving for meaning. Everybody has a craving for meaning. That's why the whole of, but why God? Because I want meaning. I need meaning. I need a why. I need a meaning to why am I here. I need a meaning to what is the purpose of my life. I need meaning. So we fuel that meaning with career. We fuel that meaning with identity. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not good. But we have a craving for meaning and we want to know a why. And then we find a purpose in life. And if that purpose is not God-centered, that purpose can quickly become evil. This crowd in Thessalonica had a purpose get those Jesus followers, create a mob and start a riot. Purpose all of a sudden, but wrong. It's not the way of Jesus. So the faith is, a, we have a craving for meaning and everybody you come across maybe doesn't even give a second of thinking about God, but in their very soul, they crave a meaning. Who am I? Why am I here? What matters? And they'll go fuel it. They are fueling it and you're fueling it in different places. And sometimes we want to numb that. We want to numb that craving because we're struggling to find identity in it. So we numb it with things and we take things in physically in that area. And then we feel bad about ourselves. So then we numb it some more. But at the core heart of our being is a craving for meaning. Then with hope, so faith is meaning. Hope is a craving for destiny. Everybody's thinking about the future in some way. Some are thinking eternally, some are thinking daily, but there's a future. Everybody's thinking future. There's a one day. I hope one day. It's a craving for destiny. It's a craving for destiny. This church in Thessalonica had this craving for destiny and they discovered what the truth of that destiny was and they were like, oh, come Jesus. There's gonna be a day where we live like that, where the Old Testament prophecies that we've read and what you're teaching us is gonna come to pass. Sign me up. And I'll reveal little bits of it each week and spend time on it on two of the weeks. But there's a craving for destiny. With that, I believe, is also a need for some people. They grab hold of destiny and they suddenly get a strength of the desire to bring legacy. A desire for legacy. That's a God thing. The desire for it to go beyond me. 
I'll touch on it in a minute and explain it. Oh, so, meaning, destiny, love. The deep connection of every human being in their soul is a desire to belong, to be seen and to see, to be known and to know, connection, intimacy, love. It's a craving. And all too often, people look in all the wrong places for that. All the wrong, but the craving is so deep. A craving for connection, belonging. Faith is believe, believe God, believe God. Hope is I'm becoming, believing, becoming. Love is belonging. Belong, believe, become. All, it's in the human. And it's all actually pointing because we're all mankind was created in the image of God. He's put it inside of us. This is why this is incredible. This is your fuel source. This is why your soul needs these things. So what are you feeding your soul with? In that craving of meaning and destiny and connection and belonging, in that craving, what do we go with it? Well, we go with it with faith. We go with it with real hope and we go with it with the love of God. That's where we go to fuel our soil, our soil, our soul, the soil of our life. Anyway, I better carry on with verse eight, nine and 10, hadn't I? Oh, yeah, I had. Okay. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Macedonia, Achaia, everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, ends of the earth. Your faith has become known. Your impact, you are going to touch lives you never see. You're going to have an impact on people you never knew. And that should inspire the bones out of you. I was challenged. Mark Batson challenged me last week with this. He said this. So tell me about your, grand, your great-grandparents. What was the souls like of your great-grandparents? What were they like as people? What did they do? Great-grandparents. Grandparents. Great-grandparents. Biblically, there's something very powerful about the third and the fourth generation. Just, just made me a little uncomfortable. I'm going, yeah, but what about? What, what, what lives can I be touching that will go on to a third and fourth generation? What, how do I live in such a way that it inspires those in my region, but to the very ends of the earth? Like, what is even that about? carry on. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you, oh, here we go again. Turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You turn to God from Idols, I'll touch on it another week. Idols is not just some dead inanimate object. There is power in them. There is spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And within idol worship and false God worship, there is still spiritual forces. Okay? 
They have a power. Now we have the one true God. He's all powerful over all of them. But there is power evident. But they turned to God from idols. Now in their culture, they turned from them. They then, that's faith, not them. We choose God. We serve the living God now then. That's love. Love is a verb, action. We serve the living God. And you are waiting for the return of Jesus, for the hope awaiting him. The soul fuel is just amazing. The weight in the Lord. And this is a strong theme, the waiting upon the Lord, the sheer faith of knowing the best is yet to come, having a fresh revelation of eternity and understanding that and our role in leaning towards that, our role in seeing a future eternity that blows our mind. Okay, I'm gonna have to skip that. I've got a whole thing, skip. I'll pick it up maybe next week or maybe at midnight for a class we might run one time. Faith, hope, and love. Jesus return. Let me give you this week's little window into the restoration of all things, the renewal of all things, all things made new, not all new things. New heaven, new earth, all of that. Let me give you a little window. Even the Old Testament points to this. Not all Old Testament prophecies have come to pass yet. You see it galore. You'll hear it in this series from Daniel and from Joel and from today's is Isaiah. He records this. Let me explain it to you. You know that craving that some of you have for belonging and connection, that craving to love and be loved? That's what you have a craving for, to, to know and be known, to see and be seen. This is why some of you are deeply emotionally connected to your pets. It's weird, isn't it? Well, I'm going to get into that. It's weird. It's weird. But is it? Is there something in all of creation? All of creation is revealing God's glory. It's not a mistake. The thing about dogs is being been absolutely diagnosed with people with dogs. Unless you've got a strange dog like we have, but you show love for your dog and the love that comes back is completely and utterly unconditional. They don't answer back. They don't do all the things that humans can do. They don't cheat on you. There's something about this thing and you go, it's kind of weird. Now, some of you are a bit OTT with your dogs. Just like, let's put that out there. But it's, there's this craving and we'll, we'll, we'll find it somehow, some way. So let me give you today's verse of our future dwelling place. When the Lord returns and all things are made new, that glorious, wonderful day of the Lord, where all things that are dwelling on in this Eden that's been restored that we get to dwell in. Listen to Isaiah 11, six through nine, because it's talked about animal kingdom. When God created those first five days, it was just all amazing. God did real good. Do you think it was all a mistake? Do you think our future is some avatar existence? or the perfection of what he created, only this time with no more tears or pain or difficulty. Verse six of Isaiah 11, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. Because at the top of creation, when man created, God created mankind, it was mankind that names the animals and has dominion over them. 
And even then in the future, a little child will be able to lead the wolf and the leopard. And you go, what is that? Oh, wow. This is blowing my mind. Harry, carry on verse seven. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. Have you ever wondered why authors throughout, not just in children's books, but in adult books, create characters out of animals that talk to one another? They get on and they play the main roles. They see this imagery. It's everywhere. There's this craving inside of us of like, oh, that there will be unity everywhere. I'm just saying, it's been set in there. You don't read Narnia a whole different way when you understand that C.S. Lewis was driven by a restoration of all things through the gospel. Moving on. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. Some of you already get anxiety right now. I don't like the future. No, listen, let's carry on. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There will be a day where that is our eternity. Oh, how am I? Oh, oh, yes. This church in Thessalonica were hearing and receiving and going, wow, we've so got it all wrong. So let's go to communion. Fast shift there, but it relates. Band, come out. If you don't come out, I just talk. We'll be even later. Band, come out. Musicians, singers, vocalists, people, come out. Come out. It's good for everybody else that you come out. In communion, we have this demonstration of faith, hope, and love. I have faith because he has saved me. I've been saved by grace through faith. It's not of myself, it's the gift of God. He paid for it all, past, he paid for it all. Thank you, Jesus, can be forgiven and made new on this earth with a future that will be fully made new. I have a hope that is an anchor for my soul, a hope of a reality of his presence right now, the indwelling of his Holy Spirit right now, and there will be a day at the restoration of all things that we get to live in. And then love, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us, we get to do this. Let me give you a little bit of housekeeping that will really help today and explain. In a minute during this next song, you exit to your left. It's that way, okay? Exit to your left. Come out of your road to your left, come round. There's tables down front, and for those at the back half, there's tables in the middle sections. You don't have to come all the way to the front. Come out to the left, go back into your row on your right. It's just a good idea, okay? The communion elements, the two cups, the cup at the top, and the bread's in the bottom piece, okay? Just so you know that. Isn't it beautiful that the Lord Jesus Christ at the Last Supper before his disciples, he said, starts off and says, guys, I have eagerly been waiting to have this meal with you. 
this Passover meal with you. Wait for it. For I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After supper, he took the cup and he said this. This is the cup in my new covenant, my bloodshed, my new covenant. But he goes on, I will not drink the fruit of the vine again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. We get to live and express worship with communion that is a demonstration of faith. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me, of hope. We will see fulfillment of this at the restoration of all things. And right now we get to be fueled by your love. We're going to live out that you love me. We are to love other people. May that be so, Lord. And I come before you. So in this song, get your elements, go back to your seat, and I would encourage you to sit, to sit and to dwell. Take the elements when you're ready, when you're there, and to, to, to stop and go, thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're running on fumes right now, empty. Fill, Lord. You can be trusted. I put my faith in you. I'm uncertain about the future, but this one thing I do know, at the restoration of all things, my eternity, my hope is like an anchor for my soul. And Lord, I love you and I receive your love right now. Spend time in that. And in this song, Gratitude, there's just that beautiful opportunity for us to express that. Come on, my soul, my soul. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all is within me. Bless his holy name. Come on, soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song, because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Fill your soul today. All right? Whenever you're ready, out to the left. Come get your elements. Take a seat throughout this song. Take them when you're ready, and then we'll continue. Thanks.